Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Roy Fialis, and with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother? Everything's well, man. How you doing over there? Oh, man, all is well, man. Uh, the Bulls on a four-game losing streak, but that's okay. I think we're still in first place, man. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, I got, we have a, a special guest also, please to announce, uh, Joshua Cotton. How's it going, my brother? Doing well, doing well, bro. And it's interesting, you threw out the blue, the Bulls four-game losing streak, man. It hurt my heart. But that's cool, <laughs> though. That's cool, though. <laughs> yeah, we just had a nine-game winning streak, man. It's okay. We nine and four there. What's it's crazy is we talk. still up, and they lost four in a row. So, you know, I don't know <laughs> what that means. Yeah. Where could you ever say that in the last five years, bro? Like, be real. Not at all. So, I'm still, I'm still, uh, you know what I'm saying, the sun is still shining, if you will. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joshua, man, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, man. How many uh, kids you got? What are their ages? And also, what do you do for a living or uh, for a purpose? So, uh, I have three kids, uh, a two-year-old boy, a four-year-old girl, and a 17-year-old son. And the story behind that is old life, new life, old wife, new wife. The start of a reset. So when I got married again, start all over again, and here I am. Okay. And as far as what I do, I, um, I'm the founder of Grown Men, Grown Men. as a safe space group. Uh, that we meet on Facebook and outside and at public events. And the purpose of it is to help guys grow into their uh, purpose and helping them heal from past uh, trauma and experiences. That is cool. So can you, um, can you talk about like that, uh, that period between 17 year old and four year old, like what was that starting over process for you? What was that like? So, um, I was married for 10 years. In the 10 years, me and my ex-wife, we had a kid. Um, I had my first kid at 27. Right now, I'm 45. So, I did wait a little while to have another kid. But when I got married again, I still felt energetic, young. I didn't feel like, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I, I was good. And to be honest... If we plan to have more, I'm not mad at it. As long as she sticks to my two-year window, we good. So it wasn't too much of like a learning curve for you. Like the the things that you learned. Well, what did you learn from the 17 to the four as being the dad? 17-year-old son. Um, so more to that story, my 17-year-old son uh, was diagnosed with autism. So that was challenges in itself. Um, he's still an uh, outgoing, loving person. He's high functional, but he is uh, still has his moments where he has trouble functioning on an educational level and functioning in society like a, a regular 17-year-old. What I learned from that experience is love all kids the same. Uh, the same way you love your 17-year-old, the same love I love my my four-year-old baby girl. She's 
highly mouthed, just very verbal. She's the queen in the house, and she's the <laughs> the mouth. And my little two-year-old boy is the bull. We'll run you over, we'll throw something at you, we'll climb over and pull your hair out. So yeah, it's I got the full, full package. Yeah, so uh, what do you think, uh, making your organization and creating your organization, what is that, uh, how has that contributed to your uh, your growth as a father? So what I try to do is give my kids examples about what they see me do. I want them to see me being an example in the community as a, not just a father, but a, as a, a man that is a leader in the community and not being um, followed in the wrong direction. I want them to see me as a strong leader. So uh, in my group, I'm a leader and I lead me and I, I help me and become leaders. I feel like we're all leaders and I wanna instill that same uh, skill set to my kids to become leaders and not be followers of others. So uh, that's part of what I'm doing. So um, how did you come up with it? Grown man, grown man? Yeah. It started with me and this other guy that I went to church with, and we used to meet after work to talk to guys that just needed someone to talk to. We was meeting at Dunkin' Donuts. We was meeting wherever. Because mm -hmm. guys just feel like, hey, man, I just need somebody to talk to. I need somebody to, to share what's going on in my life. And after that, a couple other guys say, hey, I want to meet up too. So I opened up my house. That worked one time, but then we needed more space. <laughs> that, that worked one time. So then um, we started meeting it. This guy, I know he has a church and the pastor was letting us use the space in his church. So guys would start coming there. And it seemed like somewhat of a support group mm -hmm. where guys would come and we would talk about the issues, talk about their life, talk about what's going on because a lot of times men we don't have a safe space where we can talk women have oprah they got all type of stuff that they go and talk yeah, we talk true. in a barbershop but still sometimes you don't feel comfortable talking in a safe space with someone and then also i partner with people like therapists and counselors and when they do share that information they have resources that they can get help Yeah, so uh, you mentioned uh, your son having autism and kind of the challenges and, uh, you know, uh, raising him. And, and, and um, how did you come about the diagnosis? Like, how was that process like for you? When he was one and he has maybe seven or eight cousins that he's close to. And when I mean close, they're close in age too you see a difference in their behavior, in their uh, vocabulary. You see a difference in their, the way they act. And my son at that time wasn't verbal. And that was number one. He, he wasn't verbal, he wasn't saying anything. Uh, it took him a little bit longer to learn how to walk. Eh, was it, some guy, some boys do take longer to learn to walk, but he wasn't verbal until later on. 
and that was after we got the diagnosis. We got the diagnosis at about a year and a half, close to two, because we kept seeing this pattern in him that he wasn't uh, able to communicate when he needed just simple, basic stuff. Like he wanted something to eat. He would rather come pull me into the kitchen and point or cry rather than saying, I'm just thirsty or I want a cracker. Vocabulary wasn't there. So um, I guess like how has, so once you all like discovered, you know, um, that he was autistic, like what was that process after that? Uh, what did you all do? Um, we got him tested. Mm-hmm. And once he was tested, uh, we started getting therapy, mm-hmm. uh, two forms of therapy we get uh, that used to come out to the house and would help him. And then we was introduced into a special needs school for his age. And he started attending the school. He started at a young age, maybe around two or three. Um, this might have something to do with it, might not. We still feel like part of his reason for getting this uh, diagnosis because at a very early age, when he was six weeks, he was hospitalized with E. coli in his bloodstream. Mm. That happened because before that, when he was first born, he wasn't circumcised. And a week later, he got circumcised. So we feel like the E. coli got into his circumcision when he wasn't healed yet. Mm. And that's when the process happened. Because he was hospitalized at that early age to save his life, they gave him any medication they could. And at that young of an age, giving him so much medication, every day he was on a, a pick line where medication was just pushed into him on a daily basis. So he was hospitalized for about a week. So it was, it was rough over there. But we feel like that was part of the reason that caused this delay. Mm-hmm. You know, this end, we had spoke, um, we had interviewed someone else whose son is uh well, he has two sons, actually, that's uh, autistic. And we asked him, like, what do what does he think, like, some of the causes are? And he was saying that um, something similar to, like, what you were saying. But as far as, like, when kids, well, babies, um, they give them, like, so many vac- vaccines so early. Like, their body don't have time to, like, um, I guess, get used to it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of affects, like, their development. Yep. So, I actually listened to that interview and oh, I heard him I was saying, you should wait, space it out. Don't let them pressure you into getting so many vaccinations at one time. I do agree to that. But sometimes this was like, he's 17. So the information we know now, we didn't have then. We didn't know about the effects of so much medication into your bloodstream. And at that time, we just listen to the doctors and took their advice, not knowing it was new, really. Mm. At that time, so many kids were getting it, but it was around the same time. Now, as you look back, you see the outcome of what's happened. Yeah. So he had a pretty early diagnosis. Um, 
there's some cases where you know kids get diagnosed when they're five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. So you think that him being diagnosed early as he was uh, helped him in his development? Um, so to speak, yeah. But sometimes you look at it, that damage has been done. Unless you see a reverse in the diagnosis, and that's what we pray for, that he still is receiving healing with his therapy he's receiving in school and therapy he's receiving on a regular basis that he's still working toward being healed. But I think it was helpful that he got diagnosed early. So he was able to communicate. He was able to do things that he wasn't able to do without that help. So just to, uh, I guess, switch gears a little bit. Um, I know you're from the South side. Right. Can you talk about your upbringing and talk about um, talk about your father? Yes. So very interesting. My father is a very, very, um, uh, very, very, uh, what we will say, wonderful individual. Love my dad. Hats off to my dad. He's always been involved in my life from day one. And my dad has always had open arms to me. To the point, I think it was a little too much because he might have spoiled me a little bit. But <laughs> he always had open arms to me. And I, I don't hear that side of the story a lot where dad was spoiled a kid. But I could flat out lie to my dad. And I might have been a good liar. But <laughs> I got away with murder. I got away with all types of stuff. Uh, my dad has always been a... a, a positive individual, always a great encourager. And I think that's where I get my fun, energetic, positive side from from him. Give me an example of something you got away with. <laughs> I think we want to go there. <laughs> bruh, bruh, bruh. You can plead the fifth if you need to, brother. You, you nope, know. I'm not. I'm not with plead the fifth. <laughs> nope, nope. You asked for it. I'm opening up. <laughs> I to this day have not told him this. So if he ever watches this, <laughs> I was smoking weed in the house when my mom left out of town, and he smelt it, and I lied. I said, "Ooh, dude, they outside my window smoking. They must have came in here." He said. <laughs> I went to that spray and everything, bro. It didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> but because he wanted to believe the truth and he wanted to believe me, I don't know if he believed me or not, but it was squashed. So, <laughs> quick follow, were, you, uh, were you high at the moment when you told him that uh, <laughs> the smell was out the window? Good question. <laughs> Good question. Probably so. So no matter what he said, my perspective, he believed me. Of course, he believed me. Yeah, yeah. Good question. I'm probably going to go back to now. Like, hey, man, did you know I was He's going to be like, yeah. Yeah, I knew you was high. 
Yeah, more, more than likely, that's what it was. It was like, he, he knew you was lying. He just didn't want to. He just lay like, man, just go sit down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I ain't thought about this since then. I'm telling you, too, I ain't told a lot of people about that either. So I'm opening up to you guys, whatever you want. Let's do it. There you go, exclusive. You have it here. You already here first. Right. <laughs> so, man, opens up. This is going to go viral. <laughs> <laughs> it was no, it was people outside the window, man. Just stick to that story. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, what, was your dad like the disciplinarian, or was it like your your mom? They go back and forth. Go back and forth. It okay. Depends on the situation. Um, my mom was the no nonsense. She joked. I just didn't joke with her. Mm. She 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 cracked games. She's playful. I just didn't play with her. I did play with my dad, but he was a disciplinarian. My dad carried a stick. <laughs> Would you reach across the room? Boop on your head. What are you doing? So yeah, for a long time, whoopings was was a real thing. So probably the last whooping I got was thirteen, maybe something like that. Okay, and that was from your dad? Yeah. No, mom didn't whoop. She just slapped your head. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All type of stuff. Quick one hitter. Whatever quick as she could get. Yeah. That's mom. That's cool. um, great memory, mom. She passed two years ago from cancer, but I still uh, look back at her and she left a great legacy behind. So, um, do you have any siblings? Hmm? Do you have any siblings? I have one sibling, one younger brother. Okay. What's the age range between you two? He is two and a half years younger than me, and they everybody think we twins. And I tell him he's adopted. Is <laughs> y'all real close? That's like me and my brother. I think we're about like eighteen months apart. Oh so, yeah. Yeah, good times in the house <laughs> around that time. <laughs> nope. There's plenty of times I want to choke him out, just being honest. There's too many stories. This dude, <laughs> I get new clothes, I run down the street, he got all my clothes. Like, dude, what is you doing? <laughs> this dude wore my white Jabos. Oh, not the white Came ones. home, oh. had an ink pen in the pocket that busted. Mm. Uh, this dude being, I don't know how he must have been 11, 12, whatever, tried to white it out. Uh, like, well, white out? Like, white uh, out? You can't white out pants, man! <laughs> what? <laughs> He's like, Are here you, you go. Here you go, you white your bowls. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, did he at least get him creased up? Did he have that crease down the middle, that big crease? Crease that was yeah, for real. That was, that was serious. <laughs> serious. Yeah, they had a crease. <laughs> stand the pants up. Yeah, yeah. By yeah. So, how how is your brother's relationship now? That is my man. That that's I would say that's my closest friend. If not my closest friend, he's one of my closest friends. Cool. Uh, he treats my house. Drop it down if I need him. He's here. We can live close around each other. We've always been close. So uh, 
something happened at the house. Like, hey, Lo, what's up? You here? He's here in 10 minutes. Riding that, bro. That's cool. So does he have children? Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are like, they used to call those my kids because I'm always around them. So, yeah. Close-knit family. Yeah, I'll say that. Real cool. Yeah, so you uh, you mentioned about your daughter being a firecracker. Uh, firecracker. So, um, <laughs> can you talk to uh, your relationship with her? Like, how's that evolved over the years? As far as me and her, yeah, she loves the the <laughs> the. She can't get enough of me. Like, literally, she's underneath me at all <laughs> times, like my shadow. That is even when I discipline her. Then she's still like she take it and she listen to me. I discipline her. Fifteen minutes. Then I just want to hug. Like, cool. But yeah, she's she's amazing. I've always wanted a baby girl, and I I got that blessing. She's amazing. So do you treat your your son and your daughter differently? No. No. <laughs> Never do it. Don't do it. So my son, he is different. True. He's different. Mm -hmm. And when you say treat them different, I mean, they both deserve the same amount of love. They both need the same amount of discipline, but they're different. Well, I mean, treat treat them different. Well, treat her differently because she's a girl compared to opposed to your son. So I'll say I have to raise them different. Mm hmm. As far as raising up, he's more physical. She's more verbal. So I tell her, need to sit down. I have to restrain him. He like, if you don't catch me, I ain't doing it. He gone. So you have to physically catch this dude versus her. You can just tell her, I need you to take a seat. Now my 17-year-old, he's like putty. I just look at him and he's like, I did. I did. Dead, dead. Cool. So each one is different in their own way. Which one would you say is most like you? So that is interesting that they all have a bit of me. I'll just tell this to my wife. Whenever they do something we don't like, like that's that's you. That's that's you got that you. But <laughs> to be honest, my daughter's creativity, I'll say it's mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she's very creative in certain ways. My son is so active. That is me as well. Now, my wife is like my daughter in other ways, because they're more reserved, they're cautious around people. They're, they're sensitive. She and him is both sensitive. And my youngest son, he's so much like her as well because um, they both are highly intelligent. My son is highly intelligent. He's two years old, and we're trying to figure out how to get this dude into some kind of sports. He's already playing basketball, baseball. He pick up baseball at one. And hitting it. He's barely walking. But 
Anything he sits in front of, he's focused. Very intelligent individual. Picks up stuff very quick. So I give that to them. So each person is a little bit of this, a little bit of that, of both of us. Okay. So this is this is probably gonna sound like a random question, but um, it's not though. <laughs> I want to get you. Uh, I want to get both of y'all takes on this actually. So the other day, um, you know, had Instagram has the Explorer page, or whatever. And, you know, all types of stuff come up on there, and um, I guess somewhere like on the East Coast, it's a it's a barber shop. Earlier, you spoke on, like, the barbershop is probably the only place where men can go and, like, talk to each other. Right. Be vulnerable and all that good stuff. But um, this barbershop, it has women, like, twerking in the barbershop. Have Mm -hmm. you all saw those videos? I ain't seen it, but I'm not surprised. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and when I saw it, I was like, come on. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's a time and place for everything, but the barbershop is not that place for, you know, women to be twerking. That's, that's supposed to be like, a, you know, the the place for men. Supposed to be our safe place, right? Yeah. So what, what do you all think about that concept? Women twerking. Tell me more about what, what was happening. Like, how did you just get up in there and start twerking? It was just, they had drinks or something? No, nah, they, I guess they worked there. That's part of the service. So, like, the guys was getting their haircuts, and, like, when they was in the barber chair, it was, like, women twerking. I guess they worked there. But, the, like, they had on, like, T-shirts and, like, uh, like tight, like, shorts, like, du- Daisy Duke shorts. And um, they was just twerking, like, twerking on them and just twerking on the floor. You want me to take it? You got it. See so what we go first? It's up to you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't uh... Yeah, I think it's uh, it's like you said, it's a time and place for everything. I don't think that's a good spot for that. But I understand the marketing of that, like what they're doing. They're doing it to get more attention on their barbershop to get more people to go there. Uh, but as far as that practice being something that's good to do in a barbershop, I don't think so. I don't think that's a good thing to do. Like like uh, Joshua was saying, like it's a good spot to have a a, a good conversation about anything. You know, uh, it's women that work at barbershops. Like they, they got pe- women that do hair, and you know they got uh, type of barbershops. But uh, you know, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> it was weird when I saw it. So I'm a I'm a two parts. One purpose for grown men, because I know guys this day, they have problems talking to their wife about issues because they look at them like you ain't a man. You acting like a punk. They have problems telling the guys about issues because the same thing, or they make fun of them. Like, dude, really? You going to be, oh, look at this dude. They have problems telling the therapist because everybody think a therapist, they think they they crazy. So a lot of times, guys going in a corner, cry, and die. The barbershop culture was set up like that's something we started. We can have a conversation. We can share information. They're destroying that culture with this. So probably this is the way it's going to go. But now it's going to be less environments for men to have a safe place where we can go and we can talk. And it's a lot of things that's changing too because now you got women that get their hair faded up so they're in the barbershop 
women that's chopping up here. So there's women all through there. You got women that like women. So I mean, it's it ain't the same as it used to be. It's no, a whole it's different not. culture now. That's not. But yeah, when you get a chance, man, check out the. <laughs> I'm gonna check it out. I might post something just to ask questions. Like, what y'all think about this? Explore, man. You don't see what's y'all spot? What's what's happening? And unless we say something about it, like, what guy you gonna know that's gonna say, nope, I don't want no girls twerking in front of me? It's gonna be hard to find a guy to say that. They know what they're doing. It's just that the long term effects of it is now you have no space for yourself to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, that's true. Like. Who invites yeah. a yeah. woman to their man cave? Yeah. It might work one time. Like, yeah, we got some, we got some dips down here at the man cave. Then it's like, dude, what, what, y'all thirsty, man? Get that out of here. So yeah. it's most definitely like a, a novelty type thing where, like, the first time it might be like exciting or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. You bring in more than you want. Because you bring in a lot more than just twerking. Now you bring in all the extra stuff that normally doesn't come into that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next, you'll be babysitting your. your... <laughs> <laughs> Bad move. Yeah, so uh, how can we segue from this one? Uh, <laughs> uh, Joshua. Uh, uh, talk about your experience from the first marriage to the second marriage. Like, what was the, the differences uh, in, in those two experiences? And what have, you, uh, what have you learned up to this point? Different path in life. I, I'm going to try to not go too far left. My path was before I was married in the first marriage, I was doing whatever for fun. Married a girl, like, yeah, we get married. That's cool. I wasn't serious. I wasn't prepared. And I wasn't focused on that. As we get married, and I'll say, yeah, yeah, I love the girl, whatever, whatever, whatever. But if you're not focused and you're not ready to get married, I would suggest not to do it. Because long term, it doesn't work out. If you're not with a person that you really want to be with, if you don't love that person, who they are, then when they start unveiling their true self, you're like, I'm ready to get out. So I was willing to stick around, but I wasn't showing the love I needed to show. I wasn't working at the relationship. I wasn't um, being the man that she needed me to be. Now, I'm not saying that she didn't have problems too, but she's not here to defend herself, so I'm not going to throw her under the bus. I'm just going to say it from my point. I was not in a responsible space. Years later, I met my present wife. I got to know her more, and we didn't date, but we known each other for like five years before we went that path. And we became good friends, and that's when we made the decision to get married. Versus my ex, I met her, she was cute. Eh, we went down that path. Too quick, too soon. How far along in the marriage did you come to this to this realization? Ah, when I started becoming more in line with uh, the ministry, 
I became a minister at my church. I started to taper off from my old self. Mm-hmm. And she's like, dude, you changed. Serious? And I'm like, yeah, this is the path I'm on now. And um, and we just had different, different way of thinking, different lifestyle. And it it started to go different ways. Well, if you on the lifestyle, you're spiritual, and she lifestyle, like, dude, why you acting so different? Why you acting brand new? Like, this is where I'm going. Like, and just wasn't on the same page anymore. So was it like a, um, I guess like a, a, was it amicable? Is that the word? <laughs> or was it um, like uh, fighting and, you know, how was that process? I was not in it for love anymore, if I could say that. I was in it because it felt like it was my responsibility to take care of my family, take care of my priorities. Uh-huh. And that's that old school marriage stuff. Like, dude, uh, we've been here together. We might as well stay married together because you ain't going nowhere. I ain't going nowhere. So that old school marriage mentality, if you're not happy, but you stay with it anyway. Yeah. So we try to work it out no matter what. We got a kid. We live together. We got responsibilities. Sad reason to be in the marriage. So at some point, that fell apart. Okay. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm divorced myself, so I, I understand that feeling of uh, you know, I, I'm in it for the kids. Like uh, I'm not really in it for the marriage, you know. But uh, you get to that point where it's like, okay. Uh, Decides to do our own separate ways, and uh, I think yeah. y'all are better for the, you know for, for doing that, you know, because uh, it's less stress on you, less stress on uh, I ain't gonna say less stress on the kids because uh, they might have more stress because of it, you know. True. Um, but that's why I think it's important for everybody to have a conversation with somebody professionally, like going through that type of process, like uh, even the kids, because they processing all the, all types of emotions themselves. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's a touchy subject for people, but it's something that it probably needs to be discussed more about the effects of uh, of divorce and uh, you know how you know how it can go, you know. And to be honest, if you stay married and you all are not on the same page, that's when arguments start coming and fights start coming and disagreement, mm-hmm. and then the disrespect yep. comes in because that person is still trying to tolerate you. But that love is not there to help those safe fights. And I know you, the difference between a, a, a fight and a, 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 a fair fight. When there's disrespect, when a person loses love, their fair fight is out the window. Yeah. Then they hit cut. Like, you know what? I'm going to make you feel the way I feel. I'm going to cut you. I'm a, So verbal cut. Man, not physical cut, but yeah, it, it can lead to physical cut sometimes. <laughs> Go there, right? Man. And sometimes it's just better, you know what? I just need my space. I'm gonna give you your space. Let's keep it moving. So, how did you get into um, get into ministry? Um, when you say ministry, you, you speak. I I think of grown man, grown man, like a ministry. 
but before oh. that um, ministry, I was a, a co-pastor at a church. And, okay. Uh, that was something that I felt like it was a calling of my life to go down that path. Um, I feel like everywhere I go, I, I feel the need to help people understand the love for God, and I share it. Mm-hmm. And I might not share it the same way other people share it. Like you're not that church suit dude, dude in the in the church <laughs> hat and tie, whatever. But it's still the love of God in me, and I want to just let people know how I feel and love God. That's cool. Do you have anybody uh, who you look to for advice as far as like uh, like a pastor or like somebody who who's um, who you're close to in ministry? Hmm. My present pastor now is uh, Sam. He go, he's the pastor of, uh, of Anthem Church in Hammond, Indiana. And he's a, a counselor, you could say, for me. I can go to him and speak to him whatever was going on in my mind. But I have built a community around me of people that I can go to that either I've grown up with, that I've known all my life from... Um, I can name several of people that are still here that haven't died because a lot of guys when I was growing up they're not here anymore but there's still several people in my community that I go to uh, uh, I named one uh, Mr. Mr. Wright he's the guy that grew up on my block that was one of my dad's best friends he's an educator and teacher and his kids are educators so they always been a great influence on me um my principal from my grade school, Mr. Brazil, he's always been a great influence on in my life. He was the coolest dude <laughs> in the world to be. And he would just sit and talk to you. So he had this real nice facade about him. It's real cool, but he always had great wisdom. He was the pastor of the, of the school too, of the church of the school. So I could go on and on about different guys in my life that I try to keep around me, making sure that I have positive uh, influence in my life. Even my brother, great positive influence. He loves his kids. He's a father of four kids. He has sole custody. He's raising them on his own. That'd be a great guy to interview. So I said, that's that's definitely a good story right there, <laughs> man. Because you don't hear that often, like a uh, dad having so like so uh, you know, custody like that. Four like, kids, uh, that's rare. He got four teenagers. He just sent his his oldest uh, off to the navy. So. Oh yeah, he's he's still in the thick of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, so um, you mentioned your upbringing, uh, you know, uh, as far as your dad being a, uh, you know, really, really cracking the whip, if you will. Um, how would you, would you say you tra- took that from, uh, into your own fatherhood experience? Did you uh, take some of that with you or uh, did you take any other things from your dad and, and, and implement it into your own uh, fatherhood experience? I'm going to say more. So as things I took from my dad, and sometimes you learn from what your parents did or what they didn't do. 
my dad was always a great provider. He was always uh, there. He was always present. He was always willing to say, hey, if you need anything, I'm right here. What I missed out on was an actual physical hug, uh, embrace to this day. And I heard one of your other interviews how guys have this issue where they don't know how to have the intimate embrace with their fathers. That's something I didn't see with my dad, but all my kids, anytime they're around me, I'm hugging, looking out to eye, tell you I love you. Manly love is what I miss. So I heard my father say it to other people, not personally to me. He'll tell other people, and I'm in a room, and he's saying, and I love my son. He's an amazing son. But having that one-on-one conversation, we didn't have, we didn't have a, enough conversations related to uh, uh, life and um, teaching. So a lot of stuff, it, I'm just being honest and open as possible. We grew up together, but we was more isolated, if you can see that. Come in the house, everybody go to their own spaces. I'm here if you need me, but I'm kind of over here, you kind of over there. And uh, I want to change that scenario in my household. I want to eat together with my kids. We need to talk, communicate about everything. So I pick up some of the pieces that he gave. I took the good out of it and then I used that and then whatever I didn't get, I know how to change that scenario. I know um, we getting close to time, but I want you to um, talk about He Heals. I asked you about it earlier, but um, if you could like uh, re-elaborate so what what is like the He Heals branch of uh, Grown Men, Growing Men? Uh, he Heals is, uh, I created a, a platform where I talk to guys about what they've been healed from and now how they're using this time to heal other people. And like I was telling you earlier about a guy that uh, the first person I interviewed came on and he talked about how he's a coach. He has a business called He Will, You Will Recover. And in this coaching session, he coaches guys, he coaches people, he coaches families about healing from their past issues, whether they've been in divorce, whether they've been going through some trauma. But he himself is the reason why I brought him on to my show, because he was healed from cancer. He went to radiation, chemo. I'm not sure the name of the cancer that he had, but the purpose was to show how he was healed and now how he's healing other people. So he heals. He literally heals. God uses us to heal people. Also, is it like the, um, is God how God heals and also how people heal? God heals us to heal others. Okay, I see. I so see. it continues. He heals, he heals. Just like grown men, grown men, grown men, grown men, the grow the men, and it continues. You never get to a point where you can't grow anymore. 
no matter who you are, wherever you are in life, when you stop growing, you're probably dead. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we all can grow from each other. Even kids, my kids teach me things every day. I grow from there. They grow from me. I grow from you all. You all are teaching someone else how to grow. So no matter what age you are, no matter where we are, we all are still healing. We all are still growing. I like that. Yeah, I got uh, one more for you, Joshua. And um, I already asked you this question. You gave me a real great answer. I want to uh, read it to the people. Uh, asked fatherhood mean to you? And uh, Joshua, you said, to me, fatherhood means sharing my life, lessons learned on a daily basis with my children so they can experience me as a healthy person. I do, I do not hide my emotions from my kids. I want them to see my highs and lows me laughing and crying. I show my kids how to have fun and show love, but also fight for what they believe and stand for. Uh, wow. But uh, yeah, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Um, I said this before too about my dad and how he always showed uh, how to be a man. He always showed how to love his wife. Him and my wife was married the whole time they were uh, the whole time I was here. My mom just died two years ago, and they were still married to, to her death. Uh, he showed me how to be stern and firm and also how to love others. Like I said, also, he was a pastor, so he loved the members in his church. But also with me, he, he let me go with a lot of stuff, but he still was firm, too. So walking that line of being a parent, you have to know how to discipline and show love. You can't just be the disciplinarian that's always holding that firm fist, but you can't always be that one that's always saying like, hey, you can do whatever you want to do. You'll get away with murder. I seen my dad love me, but also correct me. I seen my dad all. He, he he told me what was right and what was wrong. So from that experience, I want to share that same things with my kids. What I learned and what I didn't learn from him. Yeah, definitely yeah, powerful stuff, man. I, I appreciate you for sharing that. Um, so yeah, Dr. Young, did you have anything else before we wrap? No, nah, no, uh, no other questions. Um, but I just want to say thank you, uh, Joshua, for, for for joining us tonight. And um, yeah, let's let everybody know how uh, if they want to get in contact with you or get in, get connected with your your groups. Uh, let everybody know. So in the Facebook group, it's a private page. So one, you can email me at grownmangrownman.com. I see an email. What I have to do is become your Facebook friend first, and then I can send you an invite into the private group. Mm. Because it's a private group, we can talk more about things that are going on. And we only go so far because I'm not a legal therapist, but we give advice from our past experience. But we do have therapists as leaders in the group that can help. We have marriage therapists. You all know Khalid. 
yep. he's one of our uh, leaders in the group. He's, he's a therapist. He's been in ther uh, doing therapy for the last 27 years. And I have several other leaders in the group that are therapists, life coaches, ministers in different areas that can help guys grow to be their full potential self. Yeah, it's great stuff, man. Um, and also, um, one last question for the people. Uh, if, if you have to give advice to any dad that's listening right now, uh, what would that advice be? Be present. Always tell your kid the truth, no matter how hot tough it is. So if you go through stuff, you've been through stuff in life, share those life experiences with them. Because if you're not telling them about your experiences, no matter what you've been through, whether it's sex, drugs, whatever, they find out from somewhere else. You'd rather come from you, talk about your life, talk about yourself, have that one-on-one -on -one experience with them, that loving experience with them. Every kid needs that one-on-one -on -one loving experience with their father, with their parent. So you be that parent that you can't, you're not their friend, but you're a parent that shows that kid love. So learn how to have a relationship with them. Yeah, good stuff, man. Definitely appreciate you for your, uh, for your candor and for sharing your story, Joshua. This has been a, uh, Dr. Young, can we, can we put this one in the Hall of Fame, man? What you think, man? I'll say this is going to make, man. I love this. This has <laughs> been amazing. What I'm always the one doing the interview, so this is my first time actually in a while being interviewed. So this is this is great. Yeah, definitely appreciate that, man. So, yeah. And I also appreciate you for what you're doing out here, man, the work that you're doing. It's, uh, it's impactful stuff, man. So, so definitely uh, stay in that line, man. Keep keep working on that, man. And, uh, yeah, we see great things for you going coming in the, in the pipe as well, man, for sure. Oh, man, if I can ever um, help you guys or support you guys in any way, let me know. And I'll always keep inviting you to things we do. Sure. Oh, uh, Joshua, well, what number yeah. you want on, on the back of your jersey, man? <laughs> number on the back of my jersey? It's got to be 23. 23, like Mike. Greatest of all time to go. See, the beauty about WTF interviews, we can retire 23 as many times as we need as we need to, man. On 23. So definitely appreciate the track. So yeah. So I'm gonna get up with you guys. Since we all in Chicago, we can hit up sometime. Oh yeah, man. So we're gonna hit up in the line, man. We're gonna chop it up for a few seconds, man, after we finish this up. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, for sure, man. Let's look up the in uh and talk about some things that we're doing, man, for sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, that being said, for myself, for Sir Royce Brialis, for Dr. Raheem Young, and also for our special guest, Joshua Cotton, uh, thanks again for listening to WTF interviews, and stay tuned for further announcements. Yes, yes, Sir Royce here, and I want to thank you again for listening to WTF interviews. Leave a review as it helps more people like yourself receive the message. Also, consider donating to Welcome to Fatherhood. It's a nonprofit that myself and Dr. Raheem Young created to help dads showcase their superpowers to the masses. You can do that by going to WTFatherhood.org. Again, gratitude and be well. You already are.